Happy New Year. It's good to be back. Had a little break last week, and and uh, it's good to be back with you. I I love this church. I, I love um, what God is doing. I love corporately singing. I feel like I say that every time. I just it just so encourages my heart. And and I'm a terrible singer, by the way. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I, I but I love just to sing with the body. It's so encouraging to to my heart. Um, and so. Uh, it's it's a new year, right? New new decade for those of you that, that have been sleeping the last six days, right? Some of you are like checking your watch. I don't know if you're seeing when I start preaching. You're like, what it is? 2020? Here we go. How many of you like New Year, right? How many how many of you like New Year? That's a good thing, right? Um, okay. I love the beginning. Regardless, I don't care what you think. I love um, I love the start. I love the fresh you know ness of a new year, twenty twenty. This is like a new a new decade, right? And I know some there's some debate on does it start next year, or this year? It starts this year, by the way. Um, and so uh, I, I, I'm just I'm just ready for it. Uh, when I get out of routine and rhythm, also like I get I get I get crazy. Anybody else? Like you just get like I'm gonna grow my hair out, get a fuller beard. I'm just like I don't know what to do with myself, and that's what I found myself doing the last two weeks. Just I, I'm just out of it. I, I need to be back in it. Um, and so I, I say that by way of saying uh, we're gonna get out of our typical rhythm here at the Parks Church real quick. Um, and if you're new with us, typically what we do in our rhythm is we preach through books of the Bible. We're in a study uh, going through the book of Acts. We're going to pick that back up uh, in, in, Jan- in February, the beginning of February on Super Bowl Sunday when the Kansas City Chiefs will be playing. Uh, we will be picking back up Acts. Um, but uh, yeah, here we go. One other Chiefs fan in the whole state. Um, is that our church? And, uh, and so uh, we'll be picking back up Acts. But we want, um, in, in the month of January, and we do this typically here at the Parks Church, so this isn't too out of rhythm for us. Um, we want to ask the Lord and just just laser focus in on what he's calling us to do and what he has been calling us to do. And the beginning of the year is such an incredible time to do that, both individually but also corporately. And, uh, and so we're going to spend four weeks um, focusing on, on, on the one thing that Jesus has asked us to do. And, and, and we'll get to what that one thing is. And, um, and, and, but at first, I just want to, and every time we do one of these series, I, I, I bring this, this, this is just a notebook I bring with me. Um, and this is such a reminder uh, for me. Uh, Ten years ago, and, and, and by the way, I'm like, I'm not super nostalgic. Uh, this is probably the only thing I own that I've kept for 10 years outside of my marriage. Um, but this, this sits on my shelf at home uh, with, with some other books. And, and I bought this along with two other ones for Sam and for Aaron uh, 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, in 2010, uh, we moved our entire families, our lives, uh, to the city of McKinney uh, to start a church. And what would be now known as, as the Parks Church. The Parks Church has only been around a little less than, than nine years. Uh, but ten years ago, buying these notebooks really, um, one, because they were cheap and were like, hey, listen, we probably should write some of these things that the Lord is speaking down. Um, no, nothing super spiritual to it other than just like we need, to, we need to ask and seek and write them down. And so ten years ago began a journey of seeking, God, what do you want? What are you, what are you calling us to be about as a faith community? And so many of you, I even look out here, a handful of you who are part of that journey. And many of you, your names are in this book because we were praying for you. Others of you, we didn't know, but we were still praying for you. Um, and, and every so often, and, and I mean, like twice a year, I'll pick up this, this little book and uh, this notebook, and I'll just flip through it and I'll read through it. 
and I'll read the things that, 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 that I felt the Lord impressing uh, upon me, upon us as, as pastors and elders for a couple reasons. One, um, just as even the song that we sang, so that we might be reminded of what God originally called us to, right? So, so we could be reminded of God's faithfulness. If, if you just read this book, by the way, there'd be a lot of things in there. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, what? this is like crazy stuff. Um, you know, just random things that, that, that we were praying for, a random, like, I, I even read it sometimes. I'm like, what does this address mean? You know, like, there's literally in there, there's Avenue K Car Wash. Like, I just wrote Avenue K Car Wash on it. I don't know why, right? Um, but there was something in that moment. And so I, I look back at it to, to be reminded, but I also look back at it and ask the Lord, Lord, are, are we still being faithful? Are we still being faithful to what 10 years ago, when it was nothing more than, when there were no gatherings, right? No corporate gatherings like this. There were no budgets. There were no chairs outside of those sitting around a dining room table. I knew very few of you. We knew very few of you. There were no, there were no groups. Um, are we still being faithful? And oftentimes, um, we can reflect and, and we can go, God, yes, we are. But there are often times, and if we're honest, even as you probably reflect, maybe if you start your year like that, you, you'll reflect on your own personal life. and You'll go, listen, there are areas in my own life that, God, I'm not being faithful to you. Anybody else there? Like, God, there are just ways in which I'm living, I'm operating that, that are not honoring to you. It happens individually, it happens corporately. And so um, we really, th- this year there is so much going on at the Park Church. There's so, there's so many exciting things. And I think in, 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 a, in, a, in a vision series, if you want to call it that or whatever, um, everybody's just waiting like for the announcement Right? And it's like, okay, you know, like the Hope Clinic or, or whatever. Like you're, you're waiting for the announcement. Listen, we have some exciting things coming up, right? Like there are so many exciting things happening, right? Our, our building down the way off of the square uh, is getting renovated and is, is, it, it's going to be happening in, in 2020. We're going to be able to open the doors to that to serve our community and, and serve this church, right? We're, we're, we're starting our new groups ministry in February, which we're going to start onboarding and, and registering for next week. Like, and, and, and those are just going to be incredible, right? Like, but I don't want, and I share those things up front because I don't want the point of even this talk to get hijacked by thinking, oh, it's about those things. It's about a building. It's, 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 it's about groups. It's about another program. It's about another ministry, as good and as great as those things are. What's the point of what we do? Where are we headed? Right? Like, and, 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 and that's a good question to ask. And if you're new with us, this is like a perfect time for you to be joining the Park Church. Like, coming in, peering in. And if you're kind of one of those people who are, who are kind of like, kind of like okay, I, mean, I, 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 I kind of like what's going on here. I've seen it. I've been coming for the last couple of weeks, months, maybe years for some of you. But, but you just haven't fully jumped in. Like, I think this series, I pray this series is, is so clarifying. Because I want to answer that question. Where are we headed what is what is Jesus called us to be? And this is not talking about any other church. This is not indicting of, of the church at large. This is talking about the Parks Church. Where are we headed? And, and I think one of the challenges will be to today is to hear to hear where we're headed without the how. Okay? And I'm, I, I'm fighting, even in writing this, even in praying this, like, you're going to want to jump to like, okay, but how? And we're going to get there, just not this week, okay? 
right? Be with us for the next three weeks. We're going to get there. But first, I think we have to unpack some things. And one of the, the things that, that we don't have to wonder, one of the things we don't have to pray about, if you will, one of the things that even in this book, and I'm so thankful, even on the first page, the very first things that we were writing, the first thing is we know the vision and the mission that the Parks Church is called to. We absolutely know the call of this church. And you know how we know the call of this church? It's not because somebody pinned it in this. It's because of this. It's because Jesus himself has given the mission to his church, which he is the head of, right? And so I want you to go there in your Bibles to Matthew 28, right? You probably could have guessed that. Where are we headed? Right here. Where will we be headed this year? Right here. Where will we be headed in the next decade? Right here. This is where we will be. But we have to do some introspection. We have to do some heart work. We have to ask some questions. Are we really seeing this? You see behind me, and Keith, you can go ahead and put it up. What will we be journeying through over the next four weeks is really an articulation of what we're going to unpack here in Matthew 28. But it's, it's this statement. It's this statement that we will be kind of jumping off of, right? It's like, I'm terrible at sermon titles. I'm, I'm really bad at all, all of those things that we give like statements instead, right? So, so this statement I want us to wrestle with. When we think about the Parks Church, when we think about us being part of this faith family, where is it we long to see the Lord take us? Where is it that we long to see God take this community individually and corporately? This is where we long to see. So if somebody says, what does it mean to be a part of the Parks Church? What, what, what does it mean to be part of that faith community? What I hope rolls out of our lives and our lips as well would be this statement. That we long to see God create in us whole life disciples being transformed by the way of Jesus. What we long to see all the people who call the Parks Church their faith family is that they would be whole life disciples being transformed by the way of Jesus. Why? Why would we spend four weeks talking about that? Why would we break Acts to, to pause on this? Because we believe that that is exactly what Jesus calls us to. That's what we believe is exactly the mission he gives to the church. And one of the things I wrote very early on in that book was this, is that, listen, the vision and the mission of the church never change. It never changes. We constantly need to be reminded of it. You know, the things that change are strategy, philosophy, things like that. But the mission and the vision always stay the same. What is it, Kyle? Matthew 28. We'll start in verse 18. And Jesus, this is after his resurrection, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is, listen to me, that is the foundation by which we know Jesus can give the church the mission. That all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, right? Doesn't get any higher than that, right? He just said, all authority, it's mine. Every bit of everything, it's mine, it's under my domain, it's under my control, all right? So that's why we say, listen, whatever he says next, we'll follow with all that we are. 
We'll give everything that we are to that. And here's what he says next. Verse 19, this is the one everybody knows, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so verse 18 and 20 often get skipped, right? They often get skipped, but they are the foundation and the hope, all right? We can't skip those, all right? Verse 18 is the foundation. Then did you notice in verse 20 what he says? And this is really hopeful because, listen, he goes, I'm with you always. Because we can hear, right, the Great Commission. We can hear the call. We can hear the mission and the vision of the church and this church. And we can go, wow, how do we do that? Wow, that seems daunting. Wow, that seems overwhelming. And those are all the right responses and all the right feelings. And Jesus goes, you want to know how? Because I'm with you. Because I'm not going to leave you. Because I'm not what we just sang about. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to go, okay, church, you, you've started, go. Now run, I've got to move over here. He's not that kind of God, right? He's a God who goes, no, I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. Listen, this idea of being a disciple and, and let me tell you, the journey here at the Parks Church in this will be a messy, clumsy, awkward journey. It will. Can we just admit that? Like, we're going to get some things wrong. We're going to mess some things up on this journey. But listen, here's what Jesus is. Here's what the confidence is. Not that we've got it figured out that Jesus goes, I'm with you. I'm walking with you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So when you obey this command, I'm walking with you. So church, I'm going beside you. I'm going alongside you as you are faithful to be and to see what I've called you to see. What is that? Whole life disciples being transformed by the way of Jesus. Like that's Jesus's call to his church that we would be disciples. Jesus says, listen, come follow me. And he says to disciples, listen, anybody who's professed Christ is a disciple, right? Go make disciples. Right? That is Jesus's strategy for advancing his kingdom. The question, I like asking questions, by the way. Was he right? Is his mission, is his strategy, his missional strategy, if you will, in Matthew 28... 18 through 20, right? And the answer is always yes when Jesus is saying something. Yeah. If it is, if being disciples and making disciples is the plan, question another, are we doing this? Are we doing this individually? Are we doing this corporately as the Parks Church? Or are we simply inviting people into church culture? Are, are, are we discipling people into churchianity and not what it means to being an actual follower of Jesus Christ? Someone who's a disciple being transformed by Jesus. What are we inviting people into? Are we making real disciples or just converts? You see, Jesus here talks explicitly and solely about making disciples. And the word go here is this idea of in your going, 
right? And if you're taking notes or you have that in your Bible, you might write that in the margins. Because it gets this kind of reputation of, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of, I, I need to launch out, right? So it's this idea of just a foreign missionary goes, or just a church planner goes, or just a seminary grad goes. No, this is to everyone who professes Jesus as Savior and Lord. You are commanded to go. And, and what he says is, in your going, in your everyday life, in your whole life, here is your call, church. Here is your call, disciple. Make disciples. Make disciples. Parks Church, what is our call? What is our, our goal? What is our heart and our mission to make disciples? Are we doing that? And that's what I'm talking about. When, when, when at the beginning of the year, we have to ask the questions, right? Like, are we really seeing true disciples made in our lives and in our church? Are we, and here's where it gets personal, are we ourselves real disciples of Jesus? Or do we operate as casual Christians that just self-identify as believers? Could we say, as we even read this statement, like, my whole life, my whole life gravitates around the lordship of Jesus Christ. Every facet, every fiber of who I am is surrendered, is given to Jesus. Listen, we as a church we want, we are praying, we desire. And listen, this has been a, a burning, I can tell you from the elders to the pastors, in us that we would be so much more intentional and focused on fighting for true disciple making and true disciples to rise up in this church. You say, Kyle, are we, wait, wait, wait. Are we just talking about discipleship? Like, are, are you just trying to, are you just trying to, like, are we just talking about a program? Here's the deal. And I've tried to stay away from the word discipleship just because it's such a, it's such a used word. It's such a familiar word, right? We've rubbed up against. But listen, yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about disciple making. We're talking about being disciples and disciple making. But what is discipleship? Let's talk about that. And I bet if I surveyed this room around what discipleship is, I would get how many of our people in here, I'd get that many different answers, wouldn't I? We need to have a common understanding biblically of what the process of being a disciple and making a discipleship a disciple is. And there's four things primarily biblically when we look at it. First, discipleship is a response to the invitation of Jesus. First and foremost, that being a disciple is a response to the invitation of Jesus. Come, he says, and follow me. Many of you have responded to that invitation of Jesus. In fact, in, in the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to unpack the invitation that Jesus makes. Second to the invitation is this. That true discipleship, a true disciple, it engages every part of our life. That's the whole life piece. That, 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 that real discipleship breaks down every divide and compartment that we, want, that we want to build up for whatever reason. Pride, fear, insecurity. That this idea of whole life discipleship expands our understanding. That this idea of whole life, in fact, shouldn't even have to be a qualifier here. You get that? Like We, we actually wrestled with this. And many of our elders go, shouldn't it just be disciples being transformed? Shouldn't it just be disciples being transformed by the way of Jesus? Well, here in our culture, we have many who define disciples as compartmentalized life, places or programs 
or events. No, when we see biblically a disciple, it's someone whose whole life is captured by Jesus. It's someone whose whole life, who the entirety of their being is handed over to Jesus's invitation to advance his interest above their own. That's a disciple. Let me tell you, this is not a modern church growth strategy. This is a biblical model of what we see, what it means to follow Jesus. It means whole life, surrender, everything. The question is, are we doing that? Are we participating in that? And and, and third, I think this is also encouraging that that as we think about disciple making and being a disciple, it's a lifelong journey so we can all breathe, right? We're not going to roll out a 10-week program of Alpha where you got to read through the Bible in in four weeks and you got to do these things and do all those things. We might do that anyway, but that's, that's, listen, that's not when the Bible paints a picture of disciple making and being a disciple, that's not what it paints. It paints a lifelong journey of being transformed by the Holy Spirit into Jesus by following him. That's what it means to, to be a disciple. And then fourth, it's done with others. We're not alone. Right? One, Jesus, when he gives us the invitation, he calls us to himself first. And then he doesn't place us in isolation. He places us in a community. That part of discipleship is is belonging to Jesus and to others. But like, listen, I get it. Some of the things we're fighting here is familiarity. Some of it is is the word discipleship or disciple is a, a, a tired word. But listen, we cannot for those, just for those reasons alone, scrap the words. Those words are what our scriptures give us to define us as followers of Jesus, that we are disciples. And in the future weeks, we're going to define exactly what the word disciple and where it comes from. So we're not going to shy away from using those words. We're not going to shy away from calling ourselves to disciple making. Listen, we don't have a discipleship problem in our culture. You know that, right? Like we're all being discipled by different things, by different people cultures, mediums, like these things that we're being discipled by, what we have is a gospel, a whole life discipleship problem. That is what this call is. That's what this this whole four-week series is about, is about us returning, about us coming face-to-face with the realities of Scripture and what God has called this church to be about. But there are some things that stand in our way. There are some things that stand in in my own heart, these preconceived structures of how it's supposed to be done, right? And maybe even some of you are thinking through that right now. And I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would just, in my heart, in our life, tear those down so that he, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God can construct what he wants to. Uh, Neil Neil Hudson, he's a pastor and an author. He says this, um, and I think this is a great quote. He says, the goal of disciple making is not to make us more adept in church life. It's not this goal, right? That's not what we're talking about. Nor even more alert to the theological debates that may be raging in church circles. The goal is to enable us to live our lives in a way that reflect our masters, that's Jesus, intention for the world around us. Like, I I, I long for that, right? Like, I long for my life to be lived every day, every moment, 
as a witness of the master of the Lord that I profess so that it influences, impacts, and serves the world around me. Believers and non-believers alike. But we've got some confused areas. We've got some confused areas in this church, in my life, and probably in yours. And some of these confused areas I want us to unpack and talk about today. I want us to talk about some of these false frameworks maybe we have had mentally that's keeping us as a church and maybe individually from being a whole life disciple. And the first one is this, is that, that in a lot of churches, even within the Parks Church, the natural inclination in our culture, in our context is this, is a model of convert and retain. So track with me. We want to see people converted. We want to see the Holy Spirit awaken and illuminate people's eyes and hearts to the realities and the grace and mercy of Jesus. We long to see that. What happens, though, in this model is oftentimes that is the ultimate goal. And we try to get as many people into the reservoir as possible. And maybe for some of you say, what, what's, what's, what's wrong with that model? What's wrong with that model is what we just read in Matthew 28. Jesus' model, even if you look at how he walked with the men he walked with, with the people, the disciples he walked with, it was never a convert and retain. Jesus' model, his outreach, what he talks about here in Matthew 28, is a model of train or equip and release. So it's not a reservoir where we hold them like a holding tank, right? Like, okay, we'll just kind of figure it out in our holy huddle. No, it's an idea of equipping or discipling and going. Christians, biblical Christians, whole life disciples, they are always a sent people. We're not a holy huddle people, right? We are a sent people. That is what Jesus does. Mark Green, another author, he says this. He says, this is what the current missional strategy of evangelical churches look like. And he's speaking about the American church. To recruit the people of God, to use some of their leisure time to join the mission initiatives of church paid workers. Can you read that? Is that too small, right? Do I need to read it again? Listen, that's that's what I knew growing up. That's what I saw. I'm telling you, that's what I was discipled in. That listen, we just, we come underneath the vision of the paid guys and gals, right? We support the professionals. They give us the vision and we try to see how we can accomplish that and do that. The problem again with that, Jesus, the Bible, the model Jesus gives, the model that is given to us through Paul in Ephesians 4 that we talk about here. But listen, if we're not careful church, We can talk the right game, but not actually be practicing the right thing biblically. We can look at things like Mark Green say and go like, man, that's that's so right. But what happens is over time, if we drift away from the mission, we just fall back to what we know or we fall back to what we see. Right. Ephesians four lays a different vision. So so if you if you will, Keith, give me the first slide, which is the, the, the wrong one of the of the triangle. This is the typical model. Right. So here's what we see. This is current ministry model. We have saints or disciples support the leaders, right? The professionals, the pastors, those. And then they do the ministry. That's how it flows. That's, I mean, I I thought that. I believe that. I, I even led in that. That's our tendency. Now let's read Ephesians 4. 
Right? You got that mental picture? And he gave the apostles, that's Jesus, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, right? The leaders, the, the elders. What reason? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That's talking about discipleship. That's talking about transformation and growing up in Christ. That's what happens when when this model, the biblical model, is in place. So that, why? We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by the winds of doctrine and by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes, right? False frameworks. False things that have church clothes on them. That's what it's talking about. That we would be a mature body of disciples being able to identify those things and go, wait a minute, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not the model. That's not how Matthew 18, that's not the strategy Jesus gives. What's the strategy Jesus gives? Let's look at it. Right? It's not this. It's flipped. It is flipped. Everything in Jesus's ministry could be defined by that. Leave that up there for a minute, Keith. He flipped everything on its head. He even flipped tables over in the temple, right? Right? When, you, when, when, he wanted to, when he wanted to show his power and his might, he stooped low, literally, and washed his disciples' feet, including Judas. When he wanted to display his salvation, right? His redemption, his power. What did he do? He spread his arms wide on a cross. He flips everything upside down. And the model... The model of how ministry, of how disciples making disciples is carried out, is this model. Right? That leaders, that, that, that we as pastors and elders, we see our role as one that equips us, the saints, the disciples, to do what? The work of the ministry, the mission of God. Right? That's the model. But it's so confused. Right? Like, do you feel that confusion? Maybe, maybe you'll feel, feel it or, or, or sense it in this. This confusion around the gathered and scattered church. And again, I'm, I'm fighting to not get to the how, by the way. The gathered and scattered church. Listen, there is something so special and unique about what is happening here, what happens here. In fact, it's so unique that in Hebrews 10.25... The writer of Hebrews would go, do not neglect gathering together, as some of you have. And, and I'm just being honest at the beginning of the year. Um, some of you have neglected the gathering. Listen, it is damaging to your heart, to your soul, to your walk with Jesus. This is a, a beautiful place that God intends for us to, to be gathered, to, to hear from his word, to build one another up, to be commissioned, right? Right? to be supported, to look around and go, listen, there are arms raised and I know that, the, that she's walking through this or he's walking through this. I can come alongside you. Like this, this is a beautiful thing, right? This is the gathering is a place in our context currently where we can pull our resources together, right? Where we can pull our time, our, our, our talent, our, our, our financial resources. And we can say, listen, our community needs a clinic for the glory of God. And we can pull that together. And by God's grace, we can see that accomplished, right? So I'm not pitting these against each other. But the confusion happens, listen to me, the confusion happens when the gathered is the primary, when the gathered is elevated and seen as the place of where, the only place where disciples are made and where disciples are sent out. Listen, this is a beautiful, imperative part 
depart. There's something else that lies under the surface to this mission and strategy of disciple making that Jesus gives. And it's the scattered church. Remember, I said that Christians, we live as a sent people, right? We don't gather 100% of the time. But here's what statistics would say. 98% of us spend 95% of our time away from the church gathering. Think about that. 98% of us spend 95% of our time away from the gathering. Another way to think about it, we spend roughly 120 hours awake. 120 hours awake. Of those 120 hours, and this is a very uh, a generous amount, we spend roughly 10 hours in a gathering-type setting. What are we doing with the other 110? You see, and if you can give me the, the other slide here. You see, what we have made the mission strategy for Matthew 28 often about is about the gathering alone. Right? And so we can look at these dots and say, listen, this is where, this is solely where that mission's accomplished. And listen, I think that here at the Parks Church, our gathering is a beautiful, faithful expression done really, really well. But I still think even in our church, even in our minds and in our hearts, it's elevated to a place where the scattered is neglected. Where the understanding that we are a called and sent people to reach people as we go from here in our going. Matthew 28, 19 says, right? In our, in, in our spreading out, in our everyday life, from, from where we're an engineer, from where we're a student, from where we're, we're a stay-at-home parent, in our going, we make disciples. And so listen, oftentimes this, this, is, this has been lost in the church because this becomes the sole priority and the sole place. I, I want to ask a, just, just for us, if we can, I know this is, strange in church, but just to be honest, even, even like visually, right? Just to encourage one another. How many of you, honestly, struggle to connect and to understand how being a disciple impacts your day-to-day? How being a Christ follower actually influences, and I'm talking about that 110, right? Work, family, leisure. Like how many of you struggle with that? I'm raising my hand. I mean, you struggle. Like, let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Listen, church, that's a reality. That's a reality. You just looked around. Nearly every hand was raised. That is something that we want to be focused on and saying, listen, there are 110 other hours where we want to see Jesus swell up in our lives for the glory of God. But we struggle in understanding and seeing how that actually plays out. Listen, that's a journey I want to go on. I want to discover how this discipleship thing plays itself out in my marriage, right? Some of you are like, how do I fix my marriage? How do I fix this? Or how do I fix that? Let's focus on the main things. Because when we get these things in order, let me tell you what they overflow into. Marriage. They overflow into those areas that you are struggling to figure out the fix and the solution. And Jesus is calling us back to himself, back to the main things, to focus on the mission he has laid out before us. But all of us just admitted, nearly all of us just admitted, like, I'm struggling in how, how that influences my life. And I'm wrestling with the how, but we're going to get there, okay? I'm not going there today. Listen, this divide, and it's something that, that very familiar is called the sacred-secular divide is alive and well in all of us. It's alive and well in our church that we 
we are constantly fighting this idea of compartmentalization. And one of the reasons we struggle with connecting them, right? We're struggling with, okay, how does this connect here? How does this connect to my work? How does this connect to me as a student? Is because we believe like this time, right? This is sacred time. This is holy. What I do in my job as a, as a banker, as an engineer, as, as, as a teacher, principal, like not that it's unholy, it's just not sacred, right? And we're not talking about sin, okay? We're talking about dividing these things in our lives where we see something as sacred and something as, as secular. Listen, as a believer, everything you are a part of, everywhere you go, everything you do, Matthew 20, 18, in all your going, in everyday life, everything is sacred, Because Jesus is with you, the presence of the living God is there. And so one of the things we have to kind of tear apart and tear even out of our language is this, is this divide, is this division. And maybe you don't use this language, but you believe it. And one of the struggles is this reality, that we're dividing things and we're compartmentalizing things. Remember what happened when Jesus in John chapter 19, 30 said, it is finished. Do you remember what happened to the veil? We sing songs about it, right? The veil was what? Split in two. And that veil separated the Holy of Holies from the ordinary, if you will. The people. It kind of shielded. So the splitting of that veil, literally, it was God communicating because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice. Listen, there is no longer a divide. There is a way in which you can know me and approach me through Jesus. That everything, all, the sum total of our lives is sacred because of Christ, because of the Spirit alive in us. But the enemy subtly wants to distort and manipulate these gospel realities in our lives. And what it leads to is not understanding places in Scripture like Colossians 3.17. Places in Scripture that we have quoted, that we've read time and time again. Look at it. You know it. And whatever you do. Right? In word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Did you hear that? Everything you do, your whole life, every fiber, every facet of what you do and who you are is meant to be understood as holy, as sacred. Listen, as pastors and elders, we so often find people who have gone to church their whole lives but still have no idea how to live out their faith in their home, their job, their relationships. They go to the gathering week after week and struggle to connect the dots between what they're learning in those other areas of life. Listen, what we want to endeavor as a community over as long as the Lord gives us grace to do it is to look at our whole lives to see how the gospel of Jesus Christ affects what we do every day, day in and day out, in the mundane, ordinary moments. How are they connected to the mission and call of Christ? How is our inner life? How is it growing and flourishing? Is it growing and flourishing? What's our social presence like? I'm not talking social media, okay? I'm talking, maybe I am talking social media, but I'm talking our presence in the world. What is it like? What, what's happening? How is it, how is it displaying Jesus? Because all of us, all of us who know Jesus, all of us who are disciples and trying to obey Jesus, we are longing to see in our lives what we call a demonstrated apologetic. And simply what that means is this, is that we desire to find Christ's glorifying meaning and purpose in how we spend our days. 
all our days, all our lives. Is that what you desire? Is that, is that what you, you want? Like that, that's, that's what I want. I want to figure out how not to waste my life, as John Piper says. I want to figure out how not to waste our time as a church and as a community. But how do I know that? How do I know that? How do I know what it looks like in my family, in my work, in my leisure, in my church? It surely can't be more programs. Right? I'm, not, I'm not telling you, hey, just jump in the group's ministry. Like Those are all vehicles and they're all great. How do we know that? You see, Dallas Willard, he says, there are three goals of a disciple. There are three goals. The first is this. Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. He says the second, become like Jesus. And the third he says is, and do what Jesus would do. Right? We're not bringing back the bracelets, but it's still a good thing. Like he said, that to, you want to know what whole life discipleship looks like? It looks like a life consumed by those things. Starting with the first and most important of being with Jesus. Being with him. You want to know how? Right? Don't wait till next week. Right? Don't wait. Well, the guys will give me the answer. Right? Weeks two, three, four. Like, I'm waiting on those. Right? No, no. Be with him. Be with him. Be with him and you'll know his heart. Be with him and you'll, you'll know his purpose and his will for your life. I'm going to close with this. And, and this is, maybe this is just personally for where, where I am, but I'm going to share it with you because I think the Lord has been just kind of wrecking my own personal inner spiritual life. Um, as I really come face to face with these things, like am I just talking about them or am I actually living in them? There's a story in, in, in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through, through verse 19. And it's the story of the 10 lepers. And the 10 lepers, they see Jesus walking at a distance and they call out to Jesus and they say, Lord, have mercy on us. These lepers, right? Outcasts, have mercy on us, Lord. And Jesus says back to them, he says, you've been healed. Go and show yourself to the priest. Go, go and show yourself to the leaders, right? Validating this healing. And the story tells of nine lepers who continued on their way, leaving Jesus. But one leper who turns around and comes back and falls at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, ah, your faith has made you well. Literally translated, your faith has saved you. You see, and here's why this is wrecking me. So often I heard that passage taught and probably taught it as, as a passage of thanksgiving. Right? Be thank, but, right? Those, those other nine, they just were unthankful. That is actually a passage about spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness, that there were nine who went away physically healed. Right? 
They got what they needed. They got what they thought they wanted and what they thought they needed and left Jesus in the dust. But one who came back and fell at his feet. I don't know any other way to start a year than pleading and begging the Lord, asking him to give me the heart that that one leper had who came back to him and says, listen, yes, I've been healed, but you healed me. I don't want to miss him because I got what I wanted or what I thought I needed and miss Jesus along the way. I don't want this church to grow and to get what we think we need, but not really understand who Jesus is and what he's calling us to. That what he's asked of us is this, go with me, make disciples. Follow me, follow me, make disciples. And so I want us just to spend a moment, I'm going to kneel because because I just want to change my posture. That the beginning of being with Jesus is changing my heart's default, not me changing my heart's default, but the Spirit changing my heart's default from a default of pride and self-sufficiency to a place of humility, to a place of brokenness, to a place of me going, I can't do it. So we're going to take a few more minutes. You know why? Because it's worth it. It's worth pursuing Jesus. If you need to go, go. But I want us the first Sunday of 2020. Oh, we have heard the call. We have heard the mission that Jesus has given us personally and corporately. But we're going to be with Jesus. And maybe you want to change your posture as well, but we're going to call upon him. Listen, whole life disciples being transformed by the way of Jesus. Like that's, that can be just a cute sentence. I want that to be who I am. Who I am. And so maybe in this moment, we would just confess sin. We would ask the Lord to show us how in our hearts this process has been confused. Things that have hijacked us and distracted us our minds, our hearts away from what Jesus has called us to do and be about. And so if you want, I know it's hard to kneel in here. You don't have to do that. If you want to just change your posture, that's great. But we're going to spend a couple minutes. And then, and then Sam wrote a song, and I think it's such a beautiful prayer song, prophetic word of where we are and what Jesus is, is calling us to. Again, not, not just for this year. From now until he calls us home. Let's pray. Father, move move our hearts awaken our souls forgive us for where we have deviated God renew us God at the beginning of this new year this new decade open our eyes to your beauty and your glory your holiness your goodness God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for what you're, you're moving and stirring and calling us and drawing us back to. That you don't just rearrange furniture, but you renovate. 
You change lives. You bring life. Do that, I pray. God, I ask that even this week, as we open the pages of Scripture, as we, as we call upon you, as we, as we abide in you, that we would hear from you, that we would see you, that we would sense you, that we'd stop separating our lives out, but we would see that we are wholly and completely and entirely at your service in worship, Lord. For your glory, do it, I pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.